You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Hey, this is the Palm Sunday Road that Jesus walked into the city, his triumphal entry. You might remember right in on the colt and everybody laying down the palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Woo! I was there. I walked where Jesus walked, you guys. And guess what? You can learn more about where we walked, what we saw, what we did today at 4 o'clock at the Menifees. Robert Dick, Chuck Trentz, and Joy Percival are going to do their Holy Land recap and not only we're we doing that, now that's, that's primary, secondary, but a very close secondary, we're having an ice cream sundae bar featuring oatmeal cream pie ice cream, bluebell vanilla ice cream, rocky road ice cream, strawberry ice cream with all the toppings. Yes, you won't hear another thing I'm going to say today, will you? Well, I'm glad that you're here today, and what a day to be here. Wow. God is moving in a mighty way through the authentic presence of His Holy Spirit, and you are a part of that. And He's He's glad you're here. He really is. So, it is Palm Sunday. And before we go to Palm Sunday, we're in a series, for those of you who are, who are new to us or maybe haven't been here in a little while, we've been doing a series now for almost six weeks called Jesus into the Wild. In the very beginning of that series, we gave the congregation a book called Jesus in the Wild. And they've been reading that book all about Jesus, beginning at his baptism by John the Baptist in John chapter 3. It's when Jesus goes to the Jordan River, been there too, and he's baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And it's when he is in that water, he comes out of that water, the Spirit of God descends upon him in the form of a dove, and a loud voice from heaven proclaims, This is my Son, my beloved, and whom I'm well pleased. So we could say this is the beginning of Jesus' journey. This is where Jesus learns about his calling. The Latin word for calling, for vocation, is vocare. It's what God has called you to do. It's not your job. It's not your career. It's your vocation. What God has called you to do. So it's revealed to Jesus as he comes out of that Jordan River who he is and who he belongs to. His identity. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And everybody that's present there, you know, you got your religious leaders that are there. You probably got some Roman folks that are there. You probably got your outcast, your low class, your middle class. A lot of people are there, and they hear this, and they witness this. But what happens almost immediately after Jesus receives his identity? Well, the Spirit leads him into the wild, the wilderness, where he is tempted by the Satan. 
for 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness. And when he comes out of that wilderness, he's hungry. And that's part of our lesson today. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. But let me give you just a little brief recap of where we've been going the last six weeks that leads us to Palm Sunday and what we consider as Holy Week or Passion Week. So I'm going to take you there just for a few moments, and we're going to start where Jesus is tempted. He's tempted on an empty stomach. It's hard enough when you're tempted and you got a full stomach, but he has willingly chose not to eat anything during this time to be totally open to the Spirit. After all, it's the Spirit that's led him to the wilderness, not Satan. And we can refer to Satan not as this little red man or this little demon that sits up on your shoulder here. You know, you got the evil one over here and you got the angel over here and they're battling it out on your shoulders. You may have seen that cartoon before. You may have heard Satan referred to as Beelzebub, the prince of darkness, the evil one. But in our context, the Satan is the enemy of the soul. And all of us, have that enemy of the soul. The competing voice trying to distract us from our vocation, from our call. And Jesus wasn't going to have any of that. When Satan tempts him and he says, you know, I know you're hungry. Why don't you command this stone to become bread? I mean, that's some kind of temptation if you have not eaten, right? Warm, gooey, soft, Bread, kind of like the bread that you get, maybe Olive Garden. Or if you're going to step it up and you're one of those buckhead people and you go over to the Atlanta fish market, uh uh-huh, you know, you got to ask for it and they'll bring it to you. Or you might be like Lamar Wright and I, we just like good old-fashioned Sunbean or Merida white bread, right, Lamar? And we had some last night. We took the youth group, the Sky Zone. It's amazing that I'm standing before you today. (laughs) Because for two hours last night, I was jumping on trampolines. And I would show you the video, but I don't want to show off of me jamming the ball. You know, I have redefined uh, Scripture a little bit. And we know we don't do that here at, at, at Misty Creek, but I must tell you my own personal verse. I jam, therefore I am. So we had that bread at Dreamland Barbecue last night that you dip in the sauce. Oh, my goodness. And I believe, Joshua, I I think I counted, I think it was seven slices that you had, something like that. And then he still ate these loaded fries with barbecue and cheese on them and a side of banana pudding. What I haven't told you is that I took his leftovers and I had them last night myself before I went to bed. So this is the temptation that's presented to Jesus. And he responds With it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Well, Satan's like, "Ah, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. He He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, let's remember that Satan only has power on the earth. He has no power in the heavenly realm. You know, in the present evil age, 
He has power. But he only has power if you give him power. That enemy of the soul that's teasing you, drink this, smoke that, put this in your body, say this, do that, you know, almost like a whisper. If you do this, you'll feel good. If you read this, it'll direct your life. That sort of thing, you know. If you stay out real late at night and party all night long and skip church the next day, don't worry about it. You'll make it up at some other time. That's the enemy of the soul. Jesus will not have any of that. So when the Satan shows him all the earthly kingdom and says, this can be all yours, Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says it again. He says, it is written. Worship the Lord and serve him only. You see where he's going with this? He's going all the way back to Deuteronomy. He's going all the way back to when the Israelite people were wandering in the desert. And they wandered because they kept whining and complaining instead of following and trusting God's lead. Do you ever feel like that? You feel like you're just wandering, going around in circles, and your life is just like doing a 360. You know? You're not getting anywhere. Because you're not trusting and leaning into the Lord and His his vocation, His will for you, His plan for your life. And so Jesus, He's not going to give in to another one of His temptations. And then the Satan leads Him. To the highest point of the temple. Now, that makes me say, hmm. Can you do that with me? Hmm. Jesus let the Satan lead him somewhere? Interesting. We need to remember that Jesus is also human. This is called the dual nature of Christ. He's 100% divine, but he's also 100% man. Okay? 206 bones covered by more than 18 square feet of skin, countless muscles, organs, and a heart that would beat on average of 176,000 times a day until it beat its last at Golgotha. But it never stopped loving. He didn't give in to that temptation that Satan was throwing out there at him. Instead, he responds, it is written. Now, there's an important word that we talked about that I don't feel like we spent enough time on through all of these temptations. It's the word if. If you do this, if you command this, you know, Satan is telling, if you will jump off the pinnacle of the temple... His angels will catch you. And Jesus says, nope, I'm not going to do that. It is written, you shall not test the Lord thy God. Or tempt him, some translations say. So Jesus is not going to let the Satan get in the way of his calling, his journey. Instead, Jesus is going to be so full of the Spirit that when he comes out of that wilderness, he will be ready to begin his itinerant ministry. 
You're like, what is itinerant? Is traveling ministry for the next three years. He'll come out ready to eat. He's going to be hungry. But news is going to spread about him quickly. He's going to call his disciples. He's going to begin his ministry of teaching and healing and proclaiming the word of God. Which, by the way, the word of God became flesh through Jesus. So you and I have a choice with this word, if, that the enemy of the soul, the Satan, throws out to you. Now, Jesus uses that word, if, to bring you closer to him. If you will love me. If you will love others as I've loved you. If you will pray. If you will make a difference for me. Great is your reward. And your reward may not necessarily be on this earth. The reward is eternity. Do you know, if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're sold out for Him and you serve Him, that you already have the promise of eternity within you right now. You've been given the keys of the kingdom. Yes, And as you grow in Christ, as you mature in your faith, the more you become like him. And the if becomes positive. But Satan will use the if to destroy you, to cause you to question yourself and doubt who you are. Things like, if I wasn't divorced, if I was married, if I wasn't hurt, if I hadn't been betrayed, if they hadn't died, If I hadn't lost my job, if I hadn't failed. You see, Satan uses these ifs in your life to derail you. Jesus uses ifs to prosper you. Push past your if to say yes to what God is calling you to do. He's not calling you to please man. He wants you to please him. To please him alone and Christ alone. That's your purpose, to glorify Him, which is what we've been doing this morning. And was that not an anointed time of worship? I mean, folks, think about this. These musicians, they don't just jump up here and it just happens. It's the glory of God being channeled through them so that when they lead us in worship, they don't even see you out here. All they see is Jesus because they're bringing honor to Jesus Worship is a lifestyle. And Jesus, in the midst of his hunger, his starvation even, 40 days is a long time, folks. The medical facts of that is if you've not eaten in 40 days, your stomach becomes distended. You become frail. But he was not interested in appeasing his fleshly appetites. Instead, He was only going to worship the Lord his God and serve him and praise him. And he was so in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit, he could just go right back to the New Testament and quote it freely. And you might be tempted at times to lean into a New Testament-only church, folks. The Bible, the soteriological plan, the plan of redemption, Jesus knew that. Because he was with God at the very beginning of creation when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and there was nothing but darkness. But he brought marvelous light. God knew the whole time 
that he was going to redeem humanity at some point. And Jesus was ready to do it when he came a-calling. And Jesus needed that wilderness journey just as you and I, we need our wilderness journey. It's in the wilderness that we learn to depend on God even more. It's through the wilderness that he will use the wounds that occur in the wilderness, the grief, the despair, the questioning in ourselves. He will use that so that when we come out on the other side, we'll be stronger, we'll be steadfast, and we can help others who are going through a time of turmoil, a time of wilderness, to bring healing to them through our own experiences. And that's why I believe Jesus had to do this before he makes his third pilgrimage journey to Jerusalem. As I told the teenagers this morning in Sunday school, this is his third time entering into the city. He's just made his passion prediction to his disciples that he would go into the city, but that he would be arrested and betrayed and crucified. But they weren't hearing any of that or having any of that. He would go in and people would be celebrating him, hoping that he would reveal his kingdom, that he would be a mighty Rambo Terminator figure, an X-Men type person, you know? Wipe away all the enemies of the Jewish people and restore the kingdom. But no, it's in the wilderness that he determined what kind of man he was going to be. A sinless, blameless man. And it's the night that he is betrayed. The night that he's arrested. Fast forwarding three years later when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been there too. When he prays as his disciples are sleeping. When he prays to his father... Is there a way out of this? Do I have to go to the cross? Do I have to go through this crucifixion? Take this cup from me. Can you relate to that at all? Maybe not. Have you ever had surgery before? Anybody had surgery before? A lot of us. The night before, it's horrible, isn't it? You're anticipating the surgery. You're nervous. You're scared. You're frightful. You don't even want to go through it. It may not even be that serious. Maybe you just have to go to get your immunization shots or your vaccinations or whatever it is, and you don't like needles. SJ, if you're watching, I told the youth group, you don't like needles. That's my son. He's in college. That's why he's not here. He'll be here next week then. Multiply that about 100 times or 200 times, that feeling that what Jesus was feeling on that night. And so, folks, he knew when he came out of that wilderness, he had a ministry to do, but he also knew that he was born to die. And as he's going into that city, he knows that's the last time he'll go into the city. The first time he was an infant, he was presented in the temple. The second time, he's a preteen. It's his bar mitzvah. And the third time would be his final time. And a lot was accomplished in that week. We could easily fast forward through that week, not do a Monday Thursday service, not do Good Friday, just do Easter egg hunts and celebrate on Easter, and a lot of churches will do that. But no, it's necessary for us to go on this journey to the cross with Jesus, to fully appreciate and understand and identify with how much he really loves you. 
Oh, my goodness. Feel like you're not loved? Think again, folks. You have the love of the Father. So much so, as the numbers of hope remind us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you to the tenth power. He loves you with covenantal love. Hesed is the word. It's a love that's hard to comprehend. It's a love so rich, one is willing to lay their life down for you. And God was willing to lay down his only son's life so that you could have life, life more abundantly, eternal life, a connection with God like never before, to restore that relationship that was lost at the beginning of humanity when Adam and Eve didn't have an it is written. They just succumbed to the serpent, to the evil one, and they gave in. And you see what happened from that. Not good. But yet, Jesus provides a way out, folks. And all it requires of you is to say yes to him. So, when we've come through the wild, like Jesus, we rest. We rest. Part of overcoming temptations is maintaining our rest. Worship is part of that. Now, we need to remember that in worship, as Paul reminds us in Romans, Romans 12, that we offer ourselves in worship as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our way of worshiping. We offer our whole selves. And he tells us to not transform to the pattern of this world, but be, not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect, pleasing will is for your life. Paul knew it from prison, and Jesus knew it in the wilderness. He knew that the world was going to offer all sorts of temptations. You're being offered all sorts of things, but he knew I'm not going to succumb to the world. I'm only going to worship the Lord and be renewed and be transformed. And I'm going to rest when I need to rest. Jesus says it. Some of you are tired. Some of you are weary. And we're not even at Easter yet. But Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to come to you. He says this in Matthew 11, 28, 29. He says, come unto me, all of you, who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your weary souls. He has given me such rest. He has given me such an earnest desire to serve him that even though I might be a little down in my body physically, from jumping for two hours yesterday. I'm not going to let that stop me. Because I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that He went through a lot so that I could get up here and proclaim His Word to you, that He could hide me behind that cross so that what I say comes from Him, not from Stephen Street. So, folks, I just encourage you 
to rest if you're not resting. And when you've come through your wild, through your wilderness, and you might be right in the middle of it right now, let me say this. Be ready to feast. And feast biblically. Make sure you're in the Word so you have your it is written moments that you've etched God's Word on your heart in a way that it comes to you in your darkest, deepest time of need. It comes out of your mouth. And you don't even have to think about it from here. It just flows from the heart, the heart of God, which is transforming your heart of flesh into something much greater than that. The psalmist says it beautifully in Psalm 51 when he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. That comes to mind all the time for me. That is a scripture that I have etched in my heart. And when you come through this wild and his, heart, his word is written on your heart, and you have this connection with the Spirit, you can step forward. You're on the other side of it. And now you have that word that's pretty popular today, resilience. I am strong. I am powerful. I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus Christ. But without him, I am just a weakling I cannot do anything. I'm a failure. But with him, I am everything. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus makes his vocation clear. Not long after he comes out of the wilderness in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And we're wrapping things up, but you need to hear these words that lead us into this Passion Week, folks. Here it is. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, I think coming out of the wild in the power of the spirit for you and I means we face down that inner voice of temptation in this round. We have had our faith prove genuine and the very least to ourselves. We come out of the wild with a calling confidence, not an arrogance. Because remember, if we're filled with the love of God, as we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 13, love is not arrogant, it's not boastful, it's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't rejoice in evil doing or wrongdoing. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. That's what love is. And we have that love. We have confidence in that love. That I am loved unconditionally by the Trinitarian Lord. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And to let the cat out of the bag a little early... Beginning on April 16th, when I think we'll do that big presentation on phase one and where we are with all that, we're going to begin the longest sermon series I've ever done. You're like, does that mean long and like length, like on Sunday mornings? No. On the Holy Spirit. That's what God has placed on my heart. All the way to Pentecost. You need to be here for that, folks. 
you're going to want to be here for that. And so you and I, we'll have all kinds of opportunities in the wild, the unpredictable, the surprising circumstances of life to face down the challenger. But you can do it. Did Satan stop tempting Jesus at the end of the wilderness? No, he was just looking for more opportune times. Part of it could have been in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is questioning his father, do I really need to do this? Maybe that was the enemy of the soul saying, just walk away, Jesus. You don't have to do this. But you see, the true believer, the true lover of the soul doesn't take the easy way out. Instead, Jesus takes the most difficult way because it builds character. It builds perseverance. It equips you to put on the full armor of of God. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the tragedies that have occurred in our country over the last week or so. The shootings in Tennessee, the soldiers who were killed and those helicopters colliding, the tornadoes and the natural disasters, all these school shootings that we read about, and it's, oh my gosh, the list is exhaustive. But I want to tell you this, and I'm speaking from what I know of the pastor of that private school in Tennessee. We've got a lot of private school folks here with us today in public school and homeschool folks that are here with us today whose nine-year-old daughter's life was taken. To let you know that Jesus didn't come come to take away all the pain and the sorrow and the suffering, but I will tell you this. He came to fill us with his presence And it's peace that passes all understanding. Folks, there are going to be evil and bad things that happen. Jesus was presented with that. All this temptation. You know, people every day are presented with the choice to deny who they are and whose they are. Who they were created to be. Every day we're presented with that choice. Every day we're presented with this and that temptation. Every day we can either choose to be an example of goodness and grace and mercy, or we can choose to be a horrible, terrible example to our children and our grandchildren. We can keep them from church and children's ministry and youth group and God's Word. We can teach them the ways of the world instead of the ways of truth and God's ways. And that's exactly why things like these tragedies happen. And don't you think it's time for the people of faith, for the Christian community, for the church to be steadfast, immovable, and take a stand on the Word of God and the truth of God and go to battle if we have to? I agree, folks. We do need to. And Jesus was prepared to do that because He went through hell in that wilderness, folks, and back. But He made it through. And you know the beauty of that? That the same spirit that was with Jesus in the wilderness to overcome the hunger and the temptation, the same spirit that resurrects Jesus from the dead 
The same spirit that hovered over the darkness when creation was made in six days and on the seventh day God rested. That same spirit lives within you. It's the same spirit that was with you when God breathed into life, into your lungs, when you were being formed and created in the depths of the earth. He breathed into you his very essence, his life. You're not a nobody. You're somebody, you're a child of God, and he decides who you are and whose you are and where you are to go and what you are to do. And when you surrender to him and you know to submit to yourself, as James says in James 4, 7 through 10, he says this, submit yourselves then to God. I think we have that slide up there. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will what? He will lift you up. Don't you want to be lifted up and raised up today? Don't you want to live knowing that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, that he never changes. He remains forever constant, the same. Take heart, folks. You're on the road to fullness and wholeness in Christ. God is preparing you for the next phase of your life, of your journey. He's writing your story. And so it is Palm Sunday. And in John 12, 13, they took the branches of the palm trees and they went forth to meet him and they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Hosanna is from a biblical Hebrew phrase meaning pray, save us. They were saying, save us, save us, Jesus, save us, Lord. Any kind of thanksgiving, any kind of praise, any kind of adoration aimed at God could be considered a Hosanna. In the church, many of our prayers, many of our songs, if not all of them, are hosannas. Let's continue to give thanks and adore Jesus as we sing about the one who makes a way when there ain't no way. That might not be the best English in the world, but he makes a way when there ain't no way. Are you ready for him to make room in your heart? To remove all that darkness and temptation and to push out that enemy of the soul and have a new life, an abundant life? Well, then you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Let's receive Him today. And if you've received Him and you know Him and you need to reconnect to the vine, today is the day to do it. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. My heart, my mind, my soul to you. Forgive me, Lord, of falling short of who you created me to be. Come, Lord Jesus, rescue me and save my weary soul. I receive you today as my Savior. April 2nd, 2023, you are Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, 
for renewing my commitment, for restoring me and making me new and alive again. And it's in your name we all pray. And all God's children said, Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.